You're listening to the Broadway Belters Podcast, where we sit down with some of Broadway's brightest stars to learn more about their journey behind the scenes. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Broadway Belters Podcast. I am your host, Nick Ferreo, and I am happy to welcome our guest today, Roman Banks. Roman made his Broadway debut in Dear Evan Hansen and can be seen on the upcoming second season of High School Musical, The Musical, The Series on Disney+. Plus. Welcome, Roman. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us today. So happy to have you. Having me, yeah. All right, let's go back to the beginning here. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're from, uh, where you grew up, and how you found your way into theater? For sure. So I'm from Georgia, Stone Mountain, Georgia specifically. It's like a really small town of like, I want to say 6,000. Um, I grew up there and uh, I wanted to be a firefighter actually most of my life. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And it wasn't until I was like 11 that I, I was home one night and my brother and I were looking for a movie to put on and my dad rented us I Am Legend. And so we put on I Am Legend and I loved Will Smith, right? I grew up watching Fresh Prince and a number of his other blockbuster movies. And so, yeah, I was kind of just in a trance because I was like, you know, you watch a movie and normally you're like, you see so many people. And so it was this idea of a barren New York City, this city that we always see so put up in lights and beautiful. Um, and it was, everything was gone. And it was essentially a man and a dog, you know, carrying an entire movie. And I just thought yeah. that was the most interesting thing in the world. I was like, how does one person in a dog, you know, aside from the cutscenes and flashbacks, right. carry an entire movie and still keep, you know, it fresh and interesting and appealing to the audience. And so I think as soon as I was done watching that, I was like, I think I want to do that. I was like, because oh, wow. that looked really fun um, cool. and also like moved me, you know? And so I was really heavy in the church when I was uh, uh, a teenager and they were, they were talking a lot about purpose, you know, like mm -hmm. what's God's purpose for you. And so I was praying a lot on like, you know, cause I really wanted to be an actor or at least I thought I wanted to be an actor. And I was praying a lot about like, you know, God, is this my purpose? And then sure enough, you know, I had that confirmed through God that I was supposed to be an actor, that I was meant to be an actor. And so right. that was really like my jumping off point. And I was like, cool. Okay. Now that I feel like this is what I'm here to do and know this is what I'm here to do. Like, what do I do? You know, yeah. we didn't grow up with a lot of money. And so I was like, I can't take classes. I can't get anything that's, sure. you know, paid or anything like that. And so I was like, I'll just start in school theater. And so I was in eighth grade at the time. I went to, uh, they were doing Midsummer Night's Dream. I went to audition and I was in the room and I was just so weirded out by everybody. <laughs> I was like, this is a very specific group of people that I don't see myself really vibing with too much. So I, le <laughs> I left the room before I even auditioned. And I was like, I'll just do it in high school. And so I was in high school and uh, yeah, I went to the intro to theater class and um, it was, I guess, what any intro to theater class is. Like we watched West Side Story. We mm -hmm. watched Tony performances. We talked about theater. We played like Zip Zap Zop and all the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was planning on, you know, I watched, I was inspired by I Am Legend like solely. And so that was like, I was like, cool. I want to be a very serious act. That's what I want to do. That's okay. the path I need to take. And I was in class. I had started to make these two friends, Sean, uh, Sean and Faraz, my two best friends from high school. And his mom, Sean's mom would give us rides home. And so while we were waiting, we would like talk and chat. Um, and Sean was a singer 
and they were like, do you sing? And I was like, I, yeah, I, I like to sing. And so they were like, sing for us. And so I sang and they were like, oh, dude, you can't, you can't do straight theater. You have to do musical <laughs> theater. And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, I don't know about that. Like, I, you know, I want to be a very serious film TV actor. Like, right. that's the path for me. And they're like, no, bro, you'll get leads if you are in musical theater because you can sing and not a lot of people can sing. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> and I auditioned for The Wizard of Oz that spring. And I guess the rest is history because I just did musical theater the rest of the way. All throughout high school. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a few like summer intensives here and there governor's honors program in Georgia. I did this one cool. program called Young Arts. Definitely changed my life. 15 through 18 year olds, please go apply for Young Arts. Yes. You can. It will definitely change your life. And it's not just actors, it's all art disciplines. It's mm -hmm. fantastic. And yeah, I ended up going to college for musical theater. That's awesome. Uh, Where'd you go to school? I went to school at Shenandoah University, conservatory specifically. Mm -hmm. um, and I was there for a year. Uh, right. <laughs> and then, as we all know, the, the Dear Evan Hansen uh, open call swept away. Came knocking. I was going to ask, how did that Dear Evan Hansen journey begin? You, you know, a lot of people know you were only at Shenandoah Conservatory for a year and then you booked the show. So what was your audition process like? Um, and were you familiar with the show and that material prior to auditioning for it? Oh my God, yes. Um, okay. <laughs> there were two musicals I was obsessed with. I was obsessed with Hamilton and I was obsessed with Dear Evan Hansen just because I had never heard music like that in a musical like there's a lot of musical with beautiful music but it was like the way dear evan hansen has the modern pop and also gospel influences yeah but still so is so focused on the storytelling through the music and isn't just like a stand here and watch me sing like right that that really i don't know encapsulated me when i first heard it also ben platt's voice on the cast recording is phenomenal and so, yeah, uh, but once again, I looked at that cast and I was like, that's all white people. And, yep. you know, one one token black girl. So I was like, yep. oh, I don't know if this show is for me, but I was like, you know, if there's a world in which I can ever play that role like that, Aaron Burr and Evan Hansen would be my dream roles. And mm -hmm. I never imagined it or imagined it, but never thought it could really be. It could be you. Yeah. yeah. Even before the open call, I emailed them and I was like, are you are you guys looking for people of color? And they were like, "Yeah, we're considering all ethnicities." Okay. Um, but uh, so you went to the open call. Is that how that started? Then you just went by yourself. There was a senior in my school. His name was Drew Becker. He okay. had been going in for auditions. It, he was kind of like the talk of the school. And so we saw the ad pop up on Facebook, like looking for, it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "I have to go." Uh, and my roommate was like, "Well, if you're going, then I'm going." he drove us thankfully he was also oh, okay. called up to audition separately okay and thankfully he was able to drive us up there and yeah we uh we drove up the night before we waited in line we were in line for like five hours i think i was number like 335 Ooh. um yeah uh, there were like 500 boys i think i counted like five black boys oh my gosh um, yeah i know it was like 16 bars so i was in there for like 30 seconds They're like nice job and I went home and thought nothing of it. I mean, I thought okay. it all right, but no, definitely didn't expect a call back. So um, yeah, that was a pretty magical next day when that happened. So you got the call back the next day and then how many callbacks did you go through until you ultimately ended up getting cast? It was quite a bit. So the first audition was February 25th of 2018. I got a call back the next day for Jared to send okay. him a tape. I sent in a tape with a few sides and a song 
all the time, by the way, I was obviously Evan was my dream role. So as excited as I was to get a callback, my roommate got callback for Evan. Okay. I, and so I was a little jealous when that happened because I was like, I was like, I'm definitely more of an Evan, like in my spirit, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I tell people when he was in the shower, I would like look at his sides. <laughs> I try, try to like not memorize him, but like, glance it know. over. Yeah. Cause I was like, you never know. And right. um, uh, sure enough, I get called back from that Jared call back to go to New York. And I, I'm doing all my scenes, I do all my sides, and Michael Greif is in the room. And he wow. was like, yeah, he was like, did you, do you know any Evan material after I finished? I tell people it's like that moment in movies when someone like hears their name called or like someone sees that person and like time slows down and they know like yeah. this moment can change my life forever. Mm. And it was the most divine feeling. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know my way around it. And they're like, you know your way around it. And I was like, um, yes, I know, I know the material. Because sure enough, I've been looking at his sides and even yeah. my voice lessons, we would sing Waving Through a Window because I was like, you know, oh, okay. should anything happen, I want to be prepared. Right. And uh, we that's exactly what we did in the, in the audition. And they were like, you know what? We're going to send you back home with Evan's sides and Jared's sides and we want to see you soon. Um, and I was just blown wow. away. Uh, so then I came back in about two more weeks. I auditioned for Jared and Evan. It was super, it was a super long day. They like squeezed me in last minute. They were moving so fast that like they didn't give me any feedback. And so I was like, I don't know how it went, but I know I did a good job. Okay. Um, Cause I was just like rehearsing my butt off for this during school. Yeah, for that yeah. little moment in the room. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. I went back to school and I did not hear from them for a few days. And it had always been like a 24 to 48 hour turnaround. Okay. So then like a week went by and then two weeks went by and then a month went by. And I was like, this is not happening. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I, another month went by. Oh, I had gotten another job for the summertime. At that okay. time, you know, second semester was about to end. I had a trip set up to go to London. And then I'm literally reading like the breakdown for, I think it was the first all black production of Oklahoma. Somehow I got an email to audition for it. And I'm reading that breakdown and I get a call and it was from New York, New York. And I was like, holy crap. Cause I, no one, I didn't know anyone in New York. So I was like, anyone calling me from New York, that's got to be Evan Hansen. And they called and they invited me back to audition and also do a intensive for Evan for like three oh. days in New York. Okay. So they like flew me out. It was like me and a few other boys. And we went through basically this intensive experience trying to like see who our Evans were. Um, okay. And we also saw the show twice. So I saw the show with Michael Lee Brown. And then I saw the show with Taylor Trench after previously seeing the show with Ben Platt back in 2018. And then there was an audition at the end of it. And that was the first time I auditioned for Evan Connor and Jared. Um, and they ended up holding me back after all the boys left. And they were like, they, I, I, it was so weird. I did the same audition twice. Like they pulled me okay. in the room. I did the audition. They're like, stay out there. They pulled me back in. They like recorded it this time okay. and then I did everything twice and I was like, uh, okay, this is weird. And then I got walked out and then they were like, we'll see you soon. And I was like, oh, that's a good sign. That is a good sign. Ooh. And so by that time, you know, I, I, I always also forget to mention to do that trip, I had to cancel my London trip, which was oh, like okay. $3,000 non-refundable. <gasps> yeah. And so, and there was no way to work out both. So, um, yeah, thankfully I got, thankfully, obviously, oh my I got God. A job. but yeah, so I had to go back home after that. 
and then it was about two more weeks and they flew me back out to New York. And then I had another, I had an audition with all the associates and then oh I had a whole another audition with the entire creative team. Um, wow. Yeah, it was a, it was quite the heavy load. And then I went outside and Stacy Mindich came outside and she was like, we'd like to offer you the role of the Evan Connor Jarrett understudy on Broadway. And I like, I freaked out as anyone yeah. would. And I yeah. was like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, and we would need you here in two weeks. And I was like, are you serious? And so I went home, I told, obviously I told all my friends, luckily we were able to throw together like a going away party for me when I went home. Okay. And I packed up my life and I moved to New York when I was 19. And Wow. Yeah, I started working on Broadway. <laughs> That's awesome. That's insane. That's such a long audition process. <laughs> Holy Very crap. Very long. <laughs> I, was, I, I got the job on June 11th. So between February and June, that whole time. They put you through it. Yeah. yeah. So you said you covered Evan, Jared, and Connor in the show. How long was your rehearsal process? And did you tackle all of those three roles in that process? Or did you kind of add roles on as you got more comfortable? What was that like? Yeah, so they do it differently based on when you come in. Um, okay. So I was coming in around the time that the tour was going out. So they were training Stephen Anthony and Evan because he was going to be the alternate on tour. And he's now the main Evan on tour. He's fantastic. And so they were like, you know, there's no point of teaching you both Evan right now. So let's start you off with Jared. Uh, and so I was his Jared for a while. And then once I got comfortable with Jared, I started learning Connor. And then as I learned Jared and Connor, they would then like switch off. And then there would be some okay. rehearsals where you would play both. And so for about the first month and a half, as they were training the tour, I was learning Jared and Connor. Then they were like, after the tour left, they were like, okay, now we can start you on Evan. Evan takes about two months. They tried to make it take two months. Some, some people obviously have to focus on Evan more in a shorter period of time. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for understudies, they try to give you about two months. And so I like got Jared and Connor like down all my harmonies and like lines and whatever. And then we started on Evan and yeah, it's a pretty, I mean, they really do at least back then. I don't, I'm not exactly sure how it works now, but they really do like just dive all the way in, in terms of like sitting with the text, breaking it down. Obviously Evan is on stage most of the show. So you're learning yeah. so many marks, you're learning so much not so much choreography, but it feels like choreography because you're moving around so much. Yeah. And yeah, it's really that. And then do you write down everything? You write down where you're supposed to be, blah, blah, blah. You go through your entire book and then they take it to the stage and then you do like a put-in. Sometimes you do two put-ins. And then from that point, it's just like regular rehearsal. So then we, after my characters were down, then, you know, we just keep rehearsing because there was either always someone new or we were just rehearsing to always be ready. But yeah, that's basically what the rehearsal process was like. But like I said, I got the job on June 11th. I moved to the city on June 25th, but I did not go on until December 11th. So right. It was a very long period of just rehearsing. And I was kind of like, when am I going to get to do the thing? Yeah. You know, I'm this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed theater kid. Ready to go. <laughs> and I, I didn't even know what an understudy was when I got the job. I, I remember calling someone on my way to the airport from Dear Evan Hansen, and I was like, so, like, what does this mean? Like, do, do I go on, like, once a week? Do I go, like, do we switch off? And they're like, no, you'll only go on in case the actor is out or can't fulfill the role that night. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, I, I was not 
excited about that because like, you know, as wonderful as being on Broadway is, especially at such a young age, you know, obviously getting paid as a professional to do theater. I do theater because I love to do theater, you know, and I love to act and tell stories. So the thought of being in a room and like hearing a show or or watching other people go do a show was never something I was fond of. You know, for a long time, it was so new, like the city was so new, the show was so new, the, the life of doing a Broadway show was so new. That kept me wrapped up for a while. But after about the first six months, or maybe about the first eight months, I was like, okay, I'm like artistically unfulfilled. Okay. <laughs> um, especially in an eight person cast, there's just so much time backstage to just sit. Yeah. Really. A lot of downtime. Yeah. Like, what am I going to do today? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And try to do something positive because this show can be, you know, so heavy. Uh, A drainer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, over and over. (laughs) Besides, you know, not being able to perform every single night, what are, what were some of the most surprising things you learned about Broadway when you got there that you didn't expect? So what an understudy was. That was a good one. (laughs) That was one. (laughs) Uh, Number two was the demand of it. Eight shows a week. I was, I mean... I remember leaving the job and being like, I don't have any friends that aren't at this job. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was so hard to meet people. Because it was weird. I was in that, coming at the, to the city at 19, I was in that in-between phase where I wasn't old enough to go out with friends. But because I didn't grow up in the city, I didn't have a lot of friends there my age. Sure. And it's not like I could go hang out with college kids. Like I couldn't just walk on a campus and be like, hi, I don't go to this school, but I would like to talk to you guys. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was like, adjusting to like how to fit in New York City and like what that meant for me at that age. It was also the first time I had to take what I love and also make my job out of it. So like if there's a time, be on time and be prepared and be off book and learn your lines and learn your music and always be rehearsing. Like it was difficult to make a discipline out of what I love because I was so used to doing it in yeah, college of course. and in high school. And then it was also just the commitment of it all. Uh, we, you know, we always talk about, uh, luckily the conversation is shifting towards mental health on Broadway, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of people who give so much to Broadway shows. Ben Platt was on a crazy diet, you know, when he was in Edmonton yeah. to manage his sinuses and mucus yeah. uh, so that he can sing and cry and do do that as well as he could without, you know, damaging himself or putting himself in a worse position than how he started the show in. Very right. similar process with Andrew Barthelman being so young, going into the role. Adrian Warren doing Tina, wearing an ankle brace. You know, people really beat themselves up oh, yeah. for these jobs, which don't even pay a fraction of what TV and film pay. It was so crazy to me to see people giving so much to jobs that don't, in a lot of cases, you know, they do give them back because obviously people make individual salaries on Broadway, but also for the times that they don't, like when understudies would get hurt or when people would have panic attacks or when people would call out of work because this happened and like would come back the next day, like the unspoken commitment to like, or the pressure of being like, I have to be here every day and it's yeah. I, I hope people, especially Broadway actors, go on to continue to understand the fact that like, yes, this is a job. Yes, people do want to see you on stage because they know you're going to be playing this role. But at the end of the day, like you have to put your health before everything. And if you're not feeling it one night or if you're feeling less than 100 percent, 
or you know you're going to give a bad performance, don't feel so pressured to do it because like someone tweeted you and was like, I can't wait to see you tonight. Like your health is more important than putting yourself on the line for someone else's benefit. And I think that's a difficult thing to understand as actors because that's all we do. We go into a room with people we've never met and we cry and we laugh and we scream and we hope they like us enough. Yeah. And so I think that bleeds over into our discipline as workers and we have to be able to separate that and go like, no, my health, whether that be physical, mental, or emotional is supreme in this situation. And I have to make sure my focus on that is as essential as it is on my work ethic and my job itself so that those can work together. And one isn't going down while the other is, you know, going. Through. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You made history as the first African-American actor to play Evan Hansen. It was your Broadway debut. What did that moment mean to you? I, what do you remember from that day? There was so much social media buzz yeah. around it. Um, I remember when that you posted that picture. Um, yeah, tell us about it. It was insane. You know, I think the funniest thing about it was... I was walking into a culture in the theater that very much existed before me. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was definitely a certain way things worked. And, you know, I was definitely the dreamer, I would say, in the theater, uh, especially when I joined. And I was like, you know, I'm going to be the first Black Evan Hansen. I got this job. And I was like, I'm going to go on for Evan before I go on for any of the other roles. And they were like, everyone was like, no, you'll go on for Jared first. Like, you'll go on for Jared first. And I was like, no, I think I'm going to go on for Evan first. Like, uh, me literally telling the stage manager and like the costume <laughs> people like, no, I think I'm going to play Evan first. And they're like, well, you'll probably go on for Jen. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Um, but I just really <laughs> felt that in my spirit. I was like, no, like I'm going to make history with this role. And I think I'm going to play Evan first. And sure enough, as it would happen in December, I finally got the chance to play Evan. And I knew how big of a deal it was when I got the job, you know, yeah. and I knew how much it was going to change people's perspective on not only the character, but also just like what they themselves were capable of when I got the job. And so when that day finally came, when I finally got my date, because it was the most exhausting process trying to figure out when I was going on and you know who can I tell who can I not tell when can I tell the world there was a lot of drama behind that specifically but when I finally got the chance to I was able to post the day of I I knew it was going to be a big deal I could hardly sleep tonight before because I was like I know my phone I know Broadway's going to go crazy right um And I remember the moment as clear as day, I was on my block. I was living on uh, 103rd Street. I was walking to my train station. I had like everything like typed up and I had it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I just remember like pressing post and I was like, okay. Here we go. (laughs) And so I'm like waiting for my train and I was headed to a voice lesson. And by the time I got to my voice lesson, my phone could not stop buzzing. It was like text, text, tweet, DM, text, tweet. DM, text, tweet, like it was ridiculous. Holy crap. Yeah. I was like, my Liz Kaplan was like, put your phone down. And I was like, okay. Um, (laughs) I was getting, you know, people I looked up to, like in the industry were like messaging me, like commenting. And I was like, I didn't even, I was so taken back because like these were my heroes who were like talking to me, like Leslie Odom Jr. had tweeted me, congratulations. Like Michael Luoye, who was playing Hamilton at the time. So many people around that my picture was like blowing, like so many tags. 
I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And I get to theater and it, it won't stop buzzing. And I was like, I had at that point I had to prepare for the show. And so I just turned it over, uh, my phone over. And I was like, I can't, I can't focus on this right now. And I kept it turned over because I was just like so nervous. And I was getting ready for the show and, you know, people were coming in and out of the room and they were like, you know, like, how do you feel? Like today's the day. <laughs> um, and it was this moment, I'll never forget it. It was this moment where I had finally put on the cast and, you know, I put on the cast before for rehearsals, obviously, but I put on the cast. I had my mic on, my hair was done. My, my shirt was on, like, you know, the whole Evan breakdown and mm -hmm. it was like five minutes before the show the whole time i was like talking to people as they came in another room or like talking to hair and makeup while they got me ready and i like turned back to the mirror and it was like the first time i was like seeing myself as the character like because i knew it was real this time and it was like i got choked up and i began to cry and like a single tear was able to fall but during that moment it was that moment where like you're, you're finally able to look at yourself after working so hard for so long and go like, I did it. Like mm -hmm. you did, you did it. Can, like, look at you, like you made it here. The only thing I could probably equate it to is like, if someone was building a house and they bought the land and it was just grass and shrubs and trees. And that moment where like the house is finished and the driveway is paved and your car is there and you're pulling your stuff, yeah, like you're putting your stuff inside the house for the first time. Yeah. That's probably the only thing that yeah. I could equate it to that would match that feeling. Arriving at that reward after all that hard work. Exactly. And uh, walking on stage the first time and opening the computer. And I remember seeing Ben Platt in his last few months and him opening the computer and it was just like wild applause. Yeah. And I was like, that's probably not going to happen for me, but I'm going to, you know, obviously I got a show to do. So I go and I open the computer and it was just like 20 seconds of just like, woo! like it was, oh, wow. it was so, it was, it meant so much. My I just got chills. There. I know. <laughs> my mom was there. My uncle was there. I, I mean, I'm never, the entire cast was back in the house watching that moment. And it, that day obviously changed my life forever, but I'll never forget how special that day was and that moment was and the the messages I still get from, you know, young kids of color saying what that meant or what, you know, me in that role meant to them or how that inspired them. Well, I'll never take that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest themes in Dear Evan Hansen is mental health and the show has gained such a massive following of young people that relate to what these characters are going through. Have you experienced fans sharing their own personal mental health journeys or struggles with you after they have seen the show, either at the stage door or on social media? And how does the show manage that? That's a great question. I think the show manages it really well because they respect it and they advocate for it, but they don't overstep their boundaries because at the end of the day, they are, you know, an interpretation of one boy's struggle with his mental health. And in, re in, in speaking on that, you know, we do realize we aren't experts. We are simply storytellers. And they very much make that clear when you join the show. Like if people do reach out to you and say, you know, today I feel like this, or today I, I, I want to do this, not to engage in that. Um, okay. You know, they tell you that there's a number of links that we can refer people to, but in terms of personally investing in someone else's uh, struggle with mental health, we realize that that's not our place. 
But right. Luckily, we partnered with a number of, or Dear Evan Hansen has partnered with a number of wonderful organizations to help guide people who are feeling like that in that okay. ways. That being said, sometimes at the stage door, it was often the words people didn't say that let you know how much mm. your performance meant to them. Okay. Sometimes they would just be in tears or sometimes they would just say, thank you. And you can tell by the look in their eyes or like the sound of their voice, how much that meant. Or sometimes sure. parents would speak for them and say like, they're nervous right now, but I just, they like what you just did on that stage meant a lot. Or like we've oh, never wow. seen a show like this, a performance like this. And we just want to thank you for that um, because that was really special. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was some, it, I, I thought that was really one of the most beautiful things about stage during is, you know, the people who were very moved, there was so much communication in the words we never spoke at all. Yeah. Um, that was so, that said so much in, in turn. And so I'm really thankful for that. And it was really also great, especially as an understudy and joining a business and, you know, in the age of movie musicals to go do a show that like even when I didn't feel like coming to work to just sit backstage I was like at least I'm contributing to something that is truly making a difference to people that are watching this show every night you know and so that was a really wonderful way to keep myself focused on like why my job mattered mm -hmm. especially when I was you know when I would get lost in the thinking of like why am I here like why am I doing this when the, when this is going on in the world? Like, how am I really helping, you know? Um, of course, yeah. So I was really thankful for that message being the undertone of our show. When playing Evan, what were some of the most difficult moments in the show for you? Ooh, <laughs> there are quite, a, a, quite <laughs> a lot of difficult moments. When I was playing Evan, I was still largely getting to know my voice. And, you know, as much as that show is wonderfully orchestrated there are so many moments that are so intimate with evan that i would be very nervous for if i could tell her it was always really nerve-wracking just because there's so many moments of like your voice is just sitting out on, like over a piano or over a guitar like that happens so often in the show yeah. and so as i was still stepping into the comfort of like knowing my voice and i mean i still am even to this day but uh really getting to know how to sing a broadway score like there are a number of things that are really nerve-wracking to do every night i would say words fail was one of those if i could tell it was one of those acting wise the breakdown when i very when i first started the breakdown made me nervous because i was just like i'm just supposed to sit there and you know spoiler alert but i'm supposed to sit there and like have a breakdown on stage in complete darkness really with nothing else going on it's like it's the most awkward thing i had seen in a theater when i first saw the show but it's also a very beautiful moment because yeah it, i think that really especially for someone who didn't really know anything about anxiety when i saw the show that i feel like is a very good representation of the way you can prepare yourself as much as you can and fight against, you know, the feelings of anxiety. But if you get overwhelmed, sometimes that can take over no matter yeah. like how much you fought for that to not happen in that moment. And I feel like that representation, especially on a Broadway stage for people who do struggle with mental health and anxiety was really important. And so you always, you also want to do that, right? Like you don't want anyone. Yeah, to of like, course. You don't want to fall to the ground and someone's like, what the heck is this kid doing? <laughs> you know, like you want them to be in that moment with you and going like, oh my God, how do I take care of him? You're right. That moment. It was that, it was the words. There were so, Evan says a lot of words in the he show. Does. 
Um, and so it was always making sure I was always very persistent on making sure I got the words right until I couldn't get them wrong. But obviously, you know, every night's different, you know, should something happen that distracts me and I lose my footing. It was always that. Oh, and then like, obviously, people come to Dear Evan Hansen, thanks to the spectacle of Ben Platt, people come to watch you sing and cry. And so it was always the pressure of like, I have to cry, I have to cry, I have to cry. The very first times I went on as Evan, that was largely like my anxiety, I would say the most. Of. And it was okay. funny because when I would just, when I was auditioning for the show, it would just happen. And they'd be like, when I was auditioning, they were like, Roman, you have great emotional access. And yeah. I was like, oh, thank you so much. And when I got so in my head about the show and like, I have to cry right here, that's when it stopped happening. And so I oh, had interesting. to learn- yeah, so I had to learn to trust the text again and to fall back into like the love of the character and not let the notes that we were getting every time we rehearsed influence me so much that I, I was thinking so much about I have to do this correctly that I could no longer access my emotions and live in that moment of the scene, which also, you know, that's a tricky thing for understudies, especially in emotional shows, I feel like, especially like when you're getting noted so much it takes you away from living in the moment and takes you more towards like, I have a job to do. Mm -hmm. So like the trick of being an understudy is getting comfortable, getting the opportunity to perform enough, to get comfortable enough, to feel relaxed enough on stage to once again, tell the story and not just think of your show as a checklist of beats you have to hit. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure a lot of understudies could speak a lot on that. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that a lot on this podcast so far. Exactly. Absolutely. So, comfort I, level. Exactly. Comfort level is a huge thing as an understudy. Uh, and it sucks because when people open that playbill and see your name, a lot of times, especially in a show like Dear Hansen, a lot of times they're going to be like, fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really want to see the understudy, but you want your performance to change their mind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so you want to be as present as you can. You want to give as much as you can because you don't know the next time you're going on a lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, and you also want the, uh, the person to leave the show and be like, I'm so glad I saw that guy. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what the other guys are, but I'm so right. glad I saw that guy. Right. Star so is born moment. People love that. Exactly. And you also never know who's watching, you know? And so it's right. really important. And I hope more focus goes into shows when Broadway is back on like how to also make understudies comfortable on stage, given, given the fact that not in every show we don't get to go on an insane amount of times. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's a funny thing to juggle with. And no one really, uh, that's another thing people don't really tell you when you're joining a show as an understudy. Yeah. So then go to the other side of that. What were some of your favorite moments in the show? Just like Ooh. moments that you looked forward to that were you knew you, that you were in your back pocket that you could just live in? So many. Waving through a window was so beautiful. Um, yeah. Just because you knew that was a song everyone wanted to hear. And to get to sing that song on a Broadway stage was, you know, especially as a kid who like would play that song in the shower or play that song on a car ride with my mom and be like, this song is so cool. To have that yeah. cool circle moment every time you get pushed to the ground and be like, I'm about to sing this song and hit the B flat and do all the things. Yeah. That was really fun. <laughs> For Forever was always my favorite song in the show. My favorite. Anytime those chords would start, I would get emotional because I that's the that was always my pinch me moment. That was always like, this is the moment that I okay like my butt was on the farthest part of the seat when I saw Ben Platt play that role and that in the chords of that song started. It was sincerely me. 
specifically <laughs> with Sky Lakota Lynch because he <laughs> is just a bundle of infectious, hilarious energy. So and funny. also to be on stage with another, you know, black person in Dearvin Hansen yeah. was a black male specifically. You know, yeah. I, we're the only two black men who have been employed by Dearvin Hansen as actors. And so that was always a moment I looked forward to, to just be able to shine with my bro on stage and be like, let's just have fun. Um, yeah. And we would always whisper each other jokes. Uh, and it was great. <laughs> what else? It was good for you. Binge Pasek and Jesse Paul obviously wrote a hell of a score. And so that moment of, I gotta find a way to stop it, stop it, just let me out. Just like, <laughs> oh my God, just like the bass, everything's so loud. Everything's so like the lights are going crazy. Like yeah. you can feel the tension in the air in that moment. That moment is so epic. And then not so much words fail itself, but the aftermath of words fail when you're exhausted and you've given all you can and you're crying and you look ugly and you just get to sit on a couch and let your mom take care of you and you don't have to from a show where you're acting so much and you're saying so much and you're doing so much the entire time that moment of stillness is like it feels like you just scored a touchdown and like you just like the game is over you guys are up and for all my sports people and you just go to the bench and like just down your whole water bottle like that's yeah. what that moment feels like okay and that <laughs> hug with your mom i think that's honestly the part of the show you look forward to the most because evan is so reclusive to physical touch because of his anxiety when you finally just get to sit in that hug and at, the audience is all on the same page with you because that heartbreaking scene. oh my god that moment Ugh. yeah yeah and so just getting to hug your mom in that moment and be like you know your mom isn't going anywhere your mom is staying right here like it doesn't that's a really beautiful moment in theater that doesn't come often and mm -hmm. you never take that for granted as an evan um, yeah. on stage you're just like i could just sit in this moment for the sit rest in this of moment and <laughs> exactly <enjoy it. laughs> so yeah all that and then the the bit of hope in the end you know when you get to say that last monologue to the audience just the, because everyone's taking that journey with you you know just to give hope give the audience something to take back that is positive after a show of such negativity yeah you know, is for sure so powerful and so for yeah. sure there are a lot of moments obviously <laughs> <laughs> uh so then after a performance as evan are you able to leave all that emotion on stage or is there some time post show where you still feel the weight of the character that you need to like come down from uh and did that become easier over time I was trained in the Meisner technique. It's a lot of like you work off exactly what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think in doing that, you know, I would prepare as much as I can the lines for the show that way, like whatever the actors throw at me, like I'm working off that in the moment and not like pre-planning how I'm going to say my line or, or pre-planning what I'm going to do with my hands. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so that helped me to be really present. And so in being really present, it helps you not focus on in when you're not focusing on what you're doing, you're not really preparing what you're going to do. And I think when you get prepared for something, you have to like put yourself into a mindset beforehand. And I feel like that mindset can linger on if that's how you're approaching the character rather than being like, whatever happens on stage is what's going to happen on stage. And I'm just going to react to what's in front of me. Yeah. Like, I feel like being trained in Meisner briefly helped me to realize that like when I'm on stage, 
I'm feeling like the character and like literally the moment I hit the wings, it's like I'm Roman again. Okay. Um, because there's so much focus on like, come to the door and like, this is the activity you're going to do. And that's largely how I would approach the character. I would like, I guess my door was the curtains every time. And it was like, I'm going to go through these curtains and I have a story to tell. And until I come off of these, like through these curtains again, like my main objective is to tell that story. And then once I'm out of the curtains, I don't have to tell the story. It's over. Okay. Yeah. And so going back and forth like that and think of the show like that and really thinking about leaving it all on the stage, I think that's what helped me. And honestly, as someone who doesn't really cry much, although I certainly cry more after doing the show, okay. um, it felt good to, to cry. It felt really good to yeah. like have a performance that I was able to like let emotions out on. So part of it almost felt like a release and I would come back to my dressing room after and I would feel kind of refreshed, you know? Um, and so I'm also really thankful for that because I know, you know, some people who played the role obviously do struggle with anxiety a lot more. And so, although I'm not sure how their process was um, and how going to that place every night was for them, because, you know, I'm, I'm not playing it every night, you know, right. Maybe it would have been different if I was, but yeah, I think, when you're an understudy, you, you just go on and you're like, I'm going to do the best I can for this. And then I'm going to drop it off when I'm done. Uh, helps a lot in terms of like yeah. compartmentalization. Totally. Totally. The Broadway shutdown has obviously been devastating to the livelihoods of so many people in this community, but it has also given us a moment to take a step back and focus on the desperate need for systematic change and racial equity in this Broadway industry. What changes do you hope to see when live theater returns? Where do I begin? Honestly, I want the whole thing torn down and built back up again. Um, because, you know, I, I hope at this point, producers and owners of theaters realize that it's really not so much even about the stage representation, you know, as much as it is about what's on the stage, it's so much more about what's off the stage. Because what we don't want is a lot of gaslighting, which is what we've seen before, where people in the heavy positions tell a, a bunch of black people how to be black um, yeah. or yeah. tell a bunch of black people how to be in a scene that so heavily deals with racial structures that exist in America. If, mm -hmm. if it's uncomfortable, it feels weird. So, you know, when I, when I come back, I want to see black directors. I want to see black stage managers i want to well not and not even just black like i want to see asian hispanic latino all genders like being able to occupy any position in the theater because so often i go into a show or into an audition or to a rehearsal process and you'll have a beautiful looking cast and everyone handling everything else is white yeah um and i'm like why can we be on stage but we can't be off stage why are we not trusted in the positions of power that make the show work it's right. ridiculous and another part of it is that people i'm sure there's many people who don't even see that as a place for themselves you know what i'm saying like as a place where they can occupy because of like the current state of broadway and that just goes through the entertainment industry period even mm -hmm. going on set in high school musical it's the same thing you know like, okay white men carrying all the cameras and all the lighting and all the props. It's, 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 it's kind of alarming. And so I want to see that. 
Um, I want to see stories that matter more. Sure, a good movie musical every now and then is fun. <laughs> and obviously it employs people and that's wonderful. Right, um, right, right. We have so many stories. You know, Dear Evan Hansen doesn't have to be an anomaly in terms of like an important real musical. There are so many important real stories that exist throughout history that we can adapt to the stage in a beautiful way and that can bring a lot of culture with them as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also really want the elitism to be taken out of Broadway. People, I will never understand why Broadway actors get so worked up over bootlegs. Like, yes, I don't agree with anyone filming a bootleg in the theater, but should I find a bootleg of myself online? That was that was how I first saw Dear Evan Hansen because I was a kid in Georgia who who could not afford to go to New York and never thought I would be I could afford to see Ben Platt in a show anyway because New York is one city in one state in one country like that's where Broadway exists period yeah and I don't think people think of Broadway like that like could you imagine if Broadway was in Japan and that was the only place it was. Americans wouldn't have a problem watching bootlegs because it's in America and because it's in a very, you know, I guess widely recognized place and because it's so exclusive, I think we've like carried that into our attitudes around it. Yeah. It's like at the end of the day, no, like we're doing this art for people. And if we're doing it for people to change people's lives, to bring people joy, to have people take a break from the outside world and be with us for two hours, why not make that as widely available as possible. And so I love that Hamilton is on Disney Plus. And I hope we get more pro shot releases of shows either during their long runs or after their long runs. Um, because theater changed my life and I never intended it for it to. And I didn't even like Broadway to begin with. I can't imagine the the lives it can change for the people who already do want to be on right. Broadway and want to love theater in that way. And so, yeah, there's a lot, there's so much ingrained in Broadway due to its history that is fundamentally just toxic for the actors of color specifically and just people of color in the industry specifically that like there, I, and it's a shame there's so much time that they could be doing this in the meantime. Mm -hmm. Instead, we're focusing on how to do the virtual Tonys. Tony Awards, so, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like, oh, it's yeah. serious about the black squares we posted, people. Absolutely. Yeah. No man. performative allyship. Exactly, and we've seen a lot of that so far. And so, yeah, I mean, I think when people say burn it down, I think they want, I think they mean burn down the systems yes. that have been in place for so long that, because like, we can change what people see as much as we want, but if we're not changing what's actually happening behind the scenes, then like will like the actors on stage will be just as performative as your black squares on your exactly. page, you know? And so, yeah, we got a, I think Leslie put it, Leslie did an interview with the LA Times, Leslie Odom Jr. And he put it really well, like, show me the money, like show me the people, show me the hiring process. Like, show me the new... Transparency. Yeah, transparent. Exactly. I couldn't put it better myself. Transparency. That's what Broadway needs. If Broadway is still going to succeed in the new era of art, in the new era of, you know, how people are looking at art, how people are looking at racial injustices in America pertaining to entertainment, transparency is going to have to open up widely across the board. And that's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable because yeah. the more transparent we are... 
There's a lot of people. Things crying. get revealed. <laughs> exactly. A lot of things are going to get revealed or continue to be revealed that a lot of people yeah. probably don't want revealed. But that's how the true change is going to come. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think as actors, we have a duty to be transparent with the public and not work for the people who claim to do one thing, but actually do another. Because at the end of the day, like we hold the power. Like we, you know, if, if actors stand together, the show can't get done unless the actors agree to do the show. Right. And so obviously that falls in complications with livelihood. But, mm -hmm. you know, for those who can't afford to, you know, I think that's really powerful. Um, yeah, for sure. That helps people down the down the line and the trickle down of it all. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. yeah, transparency. That's my answer. Let's see it. <laughs> um, you left Dear Evan Hansen in January, and then it was announced that you were joining season two of Disney's High School Musical, the series, on Disney+. Plus. What was it like being on a film set after spending over a year in a Broadway show? Ooh, it was crazy. Thankfully, <laughs> I got one normal day before COVID. Um, okay. And I was going to say, how much time did you actually get out there? <laughs> it was literally one day. I, the oh, wow. same day I shot my first episode is the same day that COVID shut our set down. Um, so I guess half a day, really. But it was so cool because you're so used to being on Broadway and being like, okay, if I mess up this note, people are going to think, you know, right. oh, he can't sing that well. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. He really just messed up that note. And it's so cool to like rehearse something a bunch or not rehearse it that much go and do it. And if that wasn't your best, you can do it again. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I've been a TV actor for a very short period of time. But I think the thing to be mindful of is obviously, as wonderful as that is to not depend on it. You okay. know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to depend on the fact that I have another take to go. But it is really refreshing to sometimes get your best take unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. um, and have that be the fourth take or the fifth take, you know? And so there's a certain freedom in that. That's like, you can try a bunch, you know, like, yeah, if, even if something went really well, you'd be like, okay, well, if we're doing it again, I'm going to try it this way, you know, yeah. I'm going to give this to my team partner and, you know, see what they kind of throw back. Exactly. And so that, that playfulness is really fun. And I think the, the nerve wracking thing on the other side of it, it's just the anxiety of knowing that whatever you do, whatever ends up making it is going to exist forever. forever. <laughs> right? Because Broadway is like, I saw you on December 12th of 2019. And that was a great performance. Whether it's like, you know, like a kid in 30 years, like, I watched your show every day and blah, 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 blah. And you're yeah. like 50 years old, like, oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> it's, it's that, that thought crossing my mind has made me nervous quite a bit. Okay. But it's also just like being able to trust yourself as an actor and being like, you know what, I deserve to be here. Like I earned this place. Mm -hmm. And so like whatever I'm doing, you know, is going to be enough. Otherwise I wouldn't have this job. It's that. And then it's just all the cool things that come along with it. Like the snack table <laughs> being there yeah. all day long, the way people replicate lighting or time of day the way people build entire sets in warehouses that look like they're straight out of a yeah a, a stranger's house that lives in a random cul-de-sac like it's wild and then obviously the influence of the original high school musicals so like go getting to go to east high being in that 
iconic lunchroom, walking those hallways, seeing the pink locker, wow. being a part of history uh, in a way that also changed a lot of people's lives in terms of yeah. growing up, doing theater, and like having that be the nerdy thing that has yeah. become more of like a thing that more people are like inclined to do. Um, and it's also just like, I feel like I have the best first TV job ever because it's so theater based in terms of the musical styles of it. Um, and the, that, that aspect of like actually doing theater on a TV show yeah, as well as getting to do a TV show. So I feel very blessed, uh, being on sets. One of my favorite things I go back at the end of this week. Um, oh, good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And the, the cast, everyone is really great to be with, which is also something to be nervous about because, you know, it's a bunch of, you give a bunch of kids a million followers or right. thousands of followers. Heads can inflate quickly. Exactly. And, but when I arrived on set, it was nothing but the warmest regards and the kindest welcomes. And it's maintained that way, even throughout all the months we've been away. Oh, good. And so, yeah, I, I love going back and, you know, I love that show. Disney Plus has done something really special with that franchise. One last question. What would you like to say to anyone who's listening to this right now that hopes to be in your shoes one day? I would say if you really have love for acting and you really have love for the art of this business, then go at it with all your heart. Because even if you don't fall into exactly where you thought you were going to be, like you're going to end up in a position that fulfills you if you love this. Um, I guess that goes for any business, but you know, a lot of people, you know, I heard a lot about people wanting to quit this business because of the pandemic. And I also heard of a lot of people's mindsets changing on that because something in them made them remember that they love it. Mm -hmm. I think if you love this enough, come hell or high water or a national or international pandemic, your love will not be washed away. Um, it might disappear for a little bit and you might have to find it again. Yeah. But if you truly love something, then you're at the end of the day, you're going to want to do it for the love of it. And I think that's, what's going to keep people going in theater. Um, but if I guess like if someone got into it for attention or something like that, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess I would say that like, if, if you love it and you really are the type of person that would do anything for like something you love because you love it that much, you like, you're not in it for the money or the followers or the fame, I would say go for it because being on stage and also getting to like take people out of their lives for a second and just be in a room with them and influence them or just like maybe change the course of their day. I feel like that's one of the most valuable and special things that still remind me of what the human connection is in its simplest form. And I can't, I would never want to trade that for the world, especially as our world becomes more about Instagram and TikTok and social media, like the human connection of being on stage or just acting out a scene with another person reminds me what I am <laughs> and yeah. what I'm here to do and how I'm supposed to function with people. And that's something I can never put a price tag on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to say if you love it for the love of it, then do it. Then do it. Then do it.
Well, a big thank you to Roman Banks for taking the time out of your day to chat with us. It was great to learn more about your journey. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, Broadway Belters listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, you can help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at BUA Belters Podcast. And if you're feeling extra supportive, go ahead and share today's episode with a friend. The Broadway Belters Podcast was produced today by me, Nick Ferreo. Thank you for listening. <laughs>